Welcome everyone to the Indie Reds podcast. I'm your host, Joe Dilling. If it sounds a little different tonight, I have actually left the podcasting closet and I'm sitting at my desk that I sit in all day every day. Uh, with me on this episode are Bo Backlot Fallian and Brian Smith. Welcome, gentlemen. How you doing, Joe? Oh man, fabulous. Bobak, how you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Good deal. All right, so on this episode, we're going to talk about the visit from Sheffield United, a, v- a visit from Mittyland, as Brian has told us to it is pronounced from according to his friend uh, who spent a year in Denmark. Uh, we'll look forward at West Ham on All Hallows' Eve and a trip to Italy, northern Italy, uh, the day after the election here in the United States. Also, a new segment called Hashtag Dump Take. <laughs> I'm gonna slow it up a minute. It's dumb take. All right, let's jump in with Sheffield United. In somewhat, in a somewhat different style, LFC announces that Allison Becker is back between the sticks. This is announced like an hour and a half before the match starts. Then, about 15 minutes later, they announced that Diogo Jota is starting um, as well, and haven't released the full team sheet. Uh, just kind of interesting because it was a little different than what they usually do, uh, especially since Klopp likes to keep everything under wraps. But after we, all three of us were at the pub and we're kind of just talking about lineup and, and what we're thinking positioning-wise, and then we see that the that the front three starting and, and Jota. So we kind of think it's going to kind of be a 4-2-3-1. Um, but as we watched the match, it, it looked to me that Jota was playing kind of in, in the – in a uh, three-player midfield. Um, It might have been more of an attacking position, more kind of a a triangle shape. But but what do you think about that pullback? It was kind of uh, difficult to nail down exactly where you you, you figured uh, everyone was playing when they first kind of started going. Uh, I think ultimately they were trying to figure it out as well. Um, And that's probably why there was a little bit of confusion if you were watching the match. I think ultimately, probably to start, they the the object was was almost more of like a, you're st- for sure Henderson and Vinaldum playing the the two holding uh, central midfielders, and then kind of kind of almost a, a four two two I would say with uh, with uh, Salah and Mane playing the wider positions, and uh, and Jota and Firmino. Uh, trying to trying to figure out who was going to check back and, yeah. and who was going <laughs> to stay forward. And it just ended, ultimately looks like both of them were checking back because we kind of expected Firmino to be more of a 10 in that situation. And then just kind of, uh, I think they, they, it really took them quite a bit to, to get the hang of uh, playing all together like that, uh, all four of them. Um, so I, I think that's <laughs> ultimately there isn't really an answer. I think probably Klopp intended on a, on a four, two, three, one with, with uh, uh, Jota and Firmino centrally, uh, but it didn't really quite work out that well in the, at the beginning. Uh, uh, Brian, anything to add? Well, I thought it was more of a, I don't want to say an obvious four-two-three-one. It, it, maybe it was just kind of, um, we thought it would be that, and I was kind of looking for, for moments where it wasn't obvious four-two-three-one. We're, we're such a, a dynamic team with the ball, and you know we've got our fullbacks, flying up in the midfield all the time and and we have you know obviously hendo and and genie just right there in 
they were both very central, which which made me think it was certainly was the four two three one, and Jota seemed to be on the right more than than anywhere else. Firmino was not necessarily just kind of sitting in that number ten and distributing and you know spraying balls and showing for the ball and this and that. He was making some runs forward as well, which made it a little bit less of a rigid four two three one for sure. Um, but you know it, it's hard to to tell really what we're doing when we have the ball. Um, there's certainly nothing as rigid as a you know, formation like that, which is good. Um, where I did notice it for sure was um, we didn't have the ball, and specifically when see, they were taking a goal kick and they were obviously weren't going to play it short because, you know, their goalkeeper motions everybody forward and, you know, they're going to kind of play a long ball up into the center circle or something like that. Um, you, you'd see us in a 4-2-3-1 then for sure. Um, so that, that kind of makes me think it was – um, definitely a, an attempt at a four-two-three-one, albeit not a terribly rigid one. All right, so the match starts very quickly, and LC look to punish and attack, 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 as the lineup would suggest. However, it was Sheffield United who strike first off of a penalty. So the call on the field was that Fabino fouls a Sheffield player. Brian VAR rules that it's in the box. Fabino wins the ball, but the play stands. Can you explain why this wasn't overturned in VAR? Yeah, because he fouled the guy and won the ball. So I, I think he had to foul him and go through him at least in in some respect to get as much of the ball as he did. He, he didn't get ball and ball only, um, in my opinion, and, and I think that's why the referee – now I'm looking at that in hindsight, right? You know, The referee looks at it live and, and calls it a foul. And at that point, the foul's been called and it goes to VAR. And um, VAR can, if I understand correctly, look and determine – was this foul in the box or was this foul outside of the box, um, which is where the referee initially called it. The right foot of the attacker is on the line that indicates the penalty area. On the line is in the box, as it should be, just like a, a, um, a goalkeeper with his hand on the ball and he's on the line or um, you know those types of things. You know, On the line is in the box, and this attacker has his right foot on the line when Fabinho makes – some contact with him and then some contact with the ball or perhaps simultaneously he, he fouls the guy to some extent and wins, you know, gets some ball. That's why it's in the box and they get a penalty. Bobak, I'm, I'm not sure if I agree with that. He gets, he gets the ball and the player because I mean, we see a lot of the, a lot of slide tackles and they get both. Um, as long as it's not two footed, they let it go. So, um, I'm not fully buying that, Brian, but Bobek, what, what's your take on, on this whole thing? Well, I, I think it's pretty difficult to to a lot of times make a tackle without getting, you know, a foot as well. It's 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 more along the lines of how you get to that ball and um, you know, it can be adjudged, uh, you know, I think maybe rather harshly, but it can still be adjudged if you watch the 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 you know, the replay multiple 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 times you know some angles it looks as if uh fabinho went through the foot first before the ball and and in that event it is a foul um then it's all just kind of you know at, at that point academic as to whether or not uh it's in the box uh it's all based off of you know the the viewpoint of the the video assistant referee um i think you know if uh if this is, you know, I would say if, 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 uh, who was the center referee, Mike Dean, if Mike Dean, 
uh, takes a second look at that, then then there's you know the possibility that he might overturn that because I think ultimately the only reason he called the foul is was you know he was convinced it was outside the box. I think if 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 he, it would have been clear in the box, I'm not sure he gives that as a as a foul. Um, and you know it, it, it's it's it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't it shouldn't be a foul. Uh, depending on where it is, it should be a foul or not a foul. But uh, we do know that referees make decisions a lot of times based off of the consequences that might cause. And I think what happened is Mike Dean called it a foul because he didn't think, uh, you know, it was in the box. And and ultimately uh, it was a judge to be in the box. And then now all of a sudden this uh, fairly 50-50 uh, call is, is, uh, has got the result of a penalty. So, um, that's, that's why it's kind of a, a, a debatable, debatable, uh, issue there is, you know, half the people see as he gets, gets the foot first half people see that he gets, I mean, everyone sees that he gets the ball at some point. Um, it's just whether he goes through the man first to get it. And, and, in Mike Dean's perspective, uh, he did. So, Brian, I, th- I thought at the pub when we were talking, it wasn't so much of it, we were you were saying that it wasn't the fact that they were questioning the foul, so that wasn't under review. It was where the foul occurred, um, and if it was in the box or out of the box. So, it, it did you did you change your kind of opinion based off of um, further evaluation or? Or um, or did I mishear you from across the bar because some people were loud, uh, yell talking um, on the first half? <laughs> well, I I, to me. I think you might have misheard me. I Gabe, uh, I think was going to throw me out the window because as soon as you know he calls the foul, so at, at that point again, I'm I'm no you know expert, a referee or VAR expert or whatever. I, I you know intrigued by the whole system at times, but. As soon as I saw that the foul had been given, and then you know up on the screen it says VAR possible penalty, I I know at that point at least in, in the moment at the pub I know okay they're not going to review this with VAR to see if it was a foul or not. The foul's been given, so VAR is only going to review was this in the box or outside the box. That's all the VAR could do at that point. That's what I believed in the moment, and, I, and I, it turns out I think that is exactly what happened. Um, so I, I'm, I don't know that my opinion has changed any from the pub to now. I, you know, as soon as I saw the first replay, I'm like, oh, they're going to give a penalty. And, and Gabe's about ready to ch- jump across the table and punch <laughs> me like I'm, you know, bad luck or, or he just didn't want to hear it. And, I, you know, I get that. It's a nil-nil match and I don't want a penalty either. But, um, yeah, I, I pro- might have been the first person in the pub to maybe accept that, hey, this is – possibly going to be a penalty and yes it is going to be a penalty let's just wait for the error to finish that's that's what i was saying at the pub so well a lot of us felt that, that we were done wrong by that call um including myself i still i'm still not 100 sure that it was a foul but i mean you know it is what it is but um <laughs> but you know we can at least say that the ref was the ref, the ref was consistent i i could actually say that i think sheffield could feel that they were done wrong by officiating um, at least on two clear penalties. One, the ball hits Robbo's arm, and it hits him below the shirt line on the arm, um, and it's away from his body. So it looks a like handball to me, even after we, I review the new handball rules. 
Um, and the other is when Diogo Jota completely misses the ball and takes out a Sheffield player clearly in the box. So, Brian, am I wrong in this, or are you kind of on <laughs> my side of this? <laughs> well, all right. So, the the Rabo one, and based on how we've seen handballs called, and more recent handballs with the you know quote unquote new handball rule this year, or even the most recent adjustments to how they're going to handle things. I'm glad that this one wasn't called, not just because it was Liverpool, but where Rabo's arm is at is the very definition of a natural Natural position, position. not unnatural, but natural. His, his hands and his arms are moving the exact same way. The entire five or 10 strides he makes prior to this ball coming into him. He doesn't move his hand in any way other than he's running normally and the ball hits it. If that is not natural, I don't know what is. And you can, in my opinion, you can have your hand, you are allowed, and you should be allowed to have your hand and arm away from your body and have it be natural. His, his hand moved in his arm in the, for five, six, seven steps in a row as he's you know, running down the field in the exact same place. It goes there on the sixth step or whatever it was, and the ball hits it. That is and should be natural position. So now, now that's my interpretation of that phrase. And I, you know, the way we've seen VR work, I, it's not always viewed that way. It, it's almost, like you said, away from the body tends to um, lend itself to more of an unnatural type, um, you know, position of a player, unnatural placement of a hand or an arm. I don't think that should be a penalty. I'm glad it wasn't. I'm surprised that it was not, based on what VAR has done on similar situations in the past. But I think it is the very a very good example of what used to be called a penalty all the time, but it has always been a natural position and it shouldn't be a penalty. All right. What about the Jota thing? Did we just get lucky on that one? I guess. I, I don't remember that one as much. Um, and it's not on a whole lot of the, you know, the highlights that are out there. Hell, even NBC's highlights that put out there, if you want to go back and watch, you know, the match comes on Peacock. So you're, you're looking for some highlights if you were at the pub or, you know, don't have Peacock and are playing it back. So I don't remember the Jota one as much. It's, I, I can see how that one could have been a penalty, in my opinion, more so than the than the Rabo one for sure. But, you know, Rabo's in a natural position as far as I'm concerned. So, Bobak, what, what, what is Brian saying? Uh, do you think that's more truth or do you think he's just making up stuff to make me look bad? Uh, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> I, I honestly don't think there's, uh, a whole lot of uh, what when you generally see whether or not a team's been hard done by or whether a team's been lucky is the kind of reaction it uh, incites from either rival fans and or uh, the opposing team. And, and there wasn't really much uh, discussion or complaint from uh, Chris Wilder after the match in regards to any type of penalty incidents. So I think maybe. <laughs> Maybe my uh, interpretation was during the, during the matches. I thought I thought we were very lucky to get away with uh, at least the the Rabo handball. But I think that's more along the lines of, uh, you know, based off of <laughs> uh, the hard luck we've had with VAR recently. I thought for sure that was going back. They were going to review it. It's going to be given this penalty. But I don't even remember them indicating that it had been reviewed. Um, no. As far as as far as as far as the Jota one, I. Honestly, I don't even remember the challenge. Like, so uh, it 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 couldn't have been something that was 
that was that big. Now I do, you know, I do recall that that people kind of uh, discussed it later on after the match, but it was more along the lines of, uh, I believe, uh, Liverpool supporters that that kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, there was the possibility we may have got away with uh, one or two there. So, um, you know, I don't think I don't think you're overreacting by any means. I once again that 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 leads to the discussion of the the amount of gray area that's involved in in, in giving uh, handball um, because you know someone's interpretation of what a natural position is or what the IFAB rules are supposed to be uh, calling a natural position now is is completely different from from uh, your and I's and and Brian's so uh, you know it just depends on who the uh, in that in that circumstance who the uh, the video assistant referee is and uh, it seems like uh, you know Andre Mariner didn't think there was anything in it so well I, I remember the call being at the pub at least with the handball was we've got 25 minutes come on no, no don't kick the ball out no goal kicks no chance for them to review <laughs> call it yeah back. no throw in <laughs> don't stop the <laughs> game <laughs> yeah. to be fair to be fair i think a lot of times that factors into things as to as to how long the play goes on as to whether or not they go back to you 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 think that they actually had a discussion uh, about this on the i think it was the the post match show from uh, infield rap where uh, they talked about uh, you know there's a lot of uh, instances uh, where there's been a, it, it almost seems like a, you know a, a pretty clear uh, call that should be reviewed or at least looked at that is generally ends up being uh, ignored or or an afterthought based off of the fact that the play has gone on for so long afterwards or there's an event afterwards that uh, that you know causes them to 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 kind of you know just dismiss it. Um, you know, one of the examples they gave was the uh, the Maguire uh, incident from this weekend with United and Chelsea, where I, I guess the you know the play went on for uh, quite a substantial amount of time. I think Chelsea even may have counter attacked and and or I'm sorry, United might have counter attacked and 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 gotten a chance out of it following that. And I think uh, that's where you know a lot of that particular hypothesis comes from as well as you know they used the example from last year when we played city and the you have the the trent handball incident in the box uh we go right back down from that particular incident and fabinho scores and so what are you going to do you're going to chalk off a worldy uh goal of the year contender because there's a you know marginal handball that you wanted to review that happened two minutes prior yeah um you know you just don't don't see a whole lot of that. So I, I think that that may have factored into uh, at least uh, a lot of the drama involved with reviewing it because we didn't see that, that anything was being reviewed at the time. A lot of times if the ball goes out, you know, uh, if you're at home watching it on TV, you see five or six replays of the incident and it just grows and grows and grows in regards to, uh, you know, your opinion of the matter. Um, if nothing happens, ball doesn't go out of play you don't have a chance to look at the replay uh you know play goes on something else happens and next thing you know you just forgot what happened yeah. so um i think that that certainly could have had a factor in it all right moving on um liverpool was clearly the dominant dominant team um just not finding the net uh that is until hendo plays a beautiful ball 
to find a clear Mane five head. Uh, the keeper did a great job to block the shot, but Bobby is there to slot home his first home goal in over a season. Thank you, Bobby Firmino. All right, going to half 1-1 in Liverpool, even though Dominant looked sloppy in attack. Uh, Liverpool come out and are attacking hard to start the second half. The pressure initially seems to pay off as a nifty ball from Trent and an even better flick and shot from Mo finds the net. However, he is a knee off sides. Not much later, Mane doing the hard work on the left, plays a great cross that finds an onside this time, Diogo Jota, 2-1, good guys. Nervy and nervy and, a, and at times sloppy defensive finish to the match, but Liverpool gets the win and three points. So was there anybody that you guys thought had an unimpressive match? Um, Bobek, anybody in particular, or are you just ready to move on? On the uh, uh, you know on the Liverpool side, I don't think there were there were a whole lot of uh, standout performers. I thought I thought Mane was very good. Uh, I thought uh, Jota had a very good second half. I thought Mo was outstanding. Um, uh, my man of the match would have uh, you know I know you're this we're is complete opposite next, of what you just asked. All right. <laughs> but uh, you know there's there there uh, my point is there there are only you know quite a few. Uh, Good performers, so I, I, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll save my man of the match for whenever you ask that question. I, other than that, I think for the most part, uh, everyone else was kind of underwhelming. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a very good first half by any means. Uh, we had mentioned uh, beforehand that you know it took a while for uh, for us to kind of nail down even what kind of formation they were playing in that first half. Uh, then, then the penalty incident and Sheffield were kind of on top and and buoyed after that particular incident for quite a while until we got the equalizer. So uh, I think we weren't even really in the match or, or show any type of uh, uh, good play until the second half. Um, so so any underwhelming performers is kind of a loaded question. I would say, <laughs> you know, it was for the most part, uh, kind of underwhelming from the entire team with just a few uh, standout performers. Well, Brian, any, any uh, anybody in particular? Or are you going to stick to an answer like Bobak? Cop out. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I think you, you you both have a well. Bobak has a point. I, Joe, you're you're you know talking with you both on the way home and a little bit at the pub. You know, we had a lot of guys that were good, but nobody that was unbelievable. So I, I and I, we really can't point the finger at anyone for. Um, you know, a subpar performance or, you know, nobody was out there with a lobber on the back of their shirt, I guess, <laughs> um, you know, so to speak. But, you know, they only had two shots on target the whole game and only three shots total. We had 19 shots and almost 75% possession. So we, I, I thought we dominated it, maybe not quite as much as those, you know, fingers indicate. But, um, you know, they play this back five. They, they call it you know, three center backs and two wing backs, but, you know, they really play this back five and, and one guy goes to the ball when you have it out wide and that leaves a back four there, which makes, you know, that game winning header for Jota, who's, you know, shorter than all three of us are, um, you know, even more surprising that they you know, perfect ball across and he, you know, nice header home, but Sheffield, I can see why they're, you know, second from the bottom. I mean, they're, they're not, 
Madison of up front, their wingbacks are not getting far enough forward to cause anybody really any damage. Now, granted, that's hard to do against us because you, you know, plenty of times we're going to say, yeah, go ahead and, and Robbo and, and Trent sneak in behind you. And all of a sudden we got six guys flying at their back, you know, yeah. three or four. But uh, if I was going to say someone that I th- was hoping would have a better match or, or someone that had a match that really hasn't been on par with how he's been lately, it might've been Andy Robertson. Um, you know, he wasn't terrible by any stretch, but um, you know, it wasn't throwing in a whole lot of dangerous balls. Trent, Trent did. Trent started to throw in some, some really nice uh, dangerous balls and had the one to I had that his one ball into Salah. The Salah took down that was uh, um, offside. So that was a terrific ball. And I, I'm one thing that about Robinson. I'm tired like of about his half, half near field. post corners that are just no good. Yeah, kind of low and easily cleared by that first defender. We're we're lining guys up at the top of the box or outside the penalty spot. Sometimes out near the D. We all take, you know, they all take these big long runs in there, and, and the timing's not right. He's hitting them too early, or he's not putting them where he wants to put them, and a couple of them are just cleared too easily. So that might be a little bit uh, overly critical to point out that and, and that alone when I'm saying a performance wasn't great. But you know, he wasn't as dynamic as he normally is in open play either. So, um, Trent had that what, one. What we do you got, Joe? You, what, you we got, can't you got forget it. on your mind that you know didn't didn't uh, light the world on fire for you. We can't forget about that that shot from Trent. God, he was almost at half half field and chips the keeper. The keeper's not doesn't make it, and that's on goal. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, but, that's uh, in the third minute. That's going in if the guy doesn't tip it over the ball. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, if, if I, I think for me, I was a little underwhelmed, and and I'm not trying to be too critical because it was his first game back from an injury. But I think Allison was a was a bit was a bit sloppy. Um, I don't know. Some people were thinking that 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 the pen was telegraphed the whole way, and he goes the opposite direction. Um, there were a couple times when when he maybe takes an extra touch on a on a ball that's played back to him, and it almost gets uh, picked off on his kick, or at least tapped out. Or uh, or whatever, uh, he tries to dribble or something like that. Those are the kind of things. I mean, it was just a little. He he's gonna come back. And he, he was a a decent game for him to come back and just get his footing back. Um, wasn't gonna be facing a lot of different shots. Um, and um, and I think he 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 did okay considering the circumstances. But I I think he could have had a better performance. Um, in that regard, and I'm not blaming him for not blocking a pen, but at one at some point, um, I think he's only saved one in his whole time at Liverpool. So a lot of people are, are kind of saying maybe <laughs> that he, maybe he just sucks at penalties. That's his weakness. But that's what I've heard. Yeah, you, you might be right. I, I haven't heard anyone's being critical of that penalty or that it was savable or telegraphed or anything that, that's interesting I, I watched the penalty a couple times and never really thought that but i don't know maybe allison has me convinced that he's not going to save him either so oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so man of the match and then we'll do honorable mention Bobak, you were about ready to spill your man of the match before go ahead man yeah uh, uh i thought joe gomez was 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 really good um you know it, it in a match where uh, you know, a lot of the focus is on the, the keeper being back and, and, uh, you know, a lot of the, 
the plaudits from the the match before were on his center back partner and Fabinho, uh, and a lot of criticism over the last couple of games have been on him. I thought he really uh, he did really well um, being composed, uh, you know, cleaning up a lot of I would say Fabinho's sloppiness uh, for his composed and and uh, Van Dykish performance that he had against Ajax. I thought it was very uh, sloppy against uh, Sheffield uh, as evidenced by the the needless tackle that he put in. Uh, I thought I thought Gomez was was very good and I think ultimately that's who uh, Liverpool gave as their managed match too for the for for the game. Um, uh, so I, I thought yeah I thought he was tremendous. Brian, what about you? Who's your man of the match? That's that's a good shout. You know, we, it, as far as Gomez goes, I, I like that. What we didn't mention about Fabinho's performance is, you know, what he did right before he committed that foul for that penalty. A really terrible clearance. He almost tried, kind of tries to side foot it out. It, it, it's almost like he's, and I know he's not thinking this, but he's playing this ball like he's in midfield. He's going to side foot it and try to find somebody in a channel or something like that instead of getting it the hell out of there, which is you know, what Virgil would have done or Hoopy or Carragher or all these center halves we've had through the years would just stumped it the hell out of there. And maybe he mishit it. You know, he wasn't trying to thread the needle. I, I don't know, but he kind of put himself in a bad spot there. But um, the couple of saves that Allison made, you know, were good. I remember one late one where, he, you know, he gets two hands to it and puts the ball completely out of our penalty area, which was kind of good to see. Not a man of max, you know, just for that. But he had a couple of decent saves. Um you know, if I can't pick Gomez, I'm I'm going to give it to Jota. I'm um, not just for the you know the match-winning goal with a really good header, but you know he played a position he doesn't normally play for us, which is kind of down the right side. He's been better on the left, and um, you know a couple goals at Anfield already. You know, game-winning header. I saw him tracking back down the right-hand side and covering for Trent a little bit, and was good in kind of some loose balls on some set pieces at our own penalty area you know, blocked a shot or two, you know, just kind of winning balls there and, and helping us clear our line. So I'm going to give it to uh, Mr. Jota. Who do you one, got, Joe? One, yeah. One thing, one thing I kind of want to uh, attack on to that is that we, we had, we had mentioned a little bit about how uh, Sheffield uh, defensively set up with, with five true defenders back there, not a, not a three center back pairing and then two wing backs. It's more, it's about five center, you know, five center backs. So generally the last thing, you want to do against the side like that is pump a bunch of crosses in. Uh, <laughs> turns out, you know, uh, Liverpool with probably the smallest, smallest center forwards in the league. Uh, our two goals came off of crosses into the box and headers. So <laughs> I thought that was that was that was really interesting, especially with the uh, Jota being probably the smallest guy in the the, the pitch, uh, scoring the game winner off one. Yeah, I'm gonna do an honorable mention to Mo. A tied honorable mention. I thought Mill was fantastic throughout the whole match, creating yep. his own spot stuff. If he if he has his knee back just a little bit, that's a that goal that that could be goal of the season. That was just the hits a hits it to set up like a juggle and then hits it off the volley and it's just wow, a great goal. Um, unfortunately, he was offside, but anyway, he was doing that his magic most of the game. Uh, Jordan Henderson had another very strong performance. He gets another honorable mention for me. But uh, for me, man of the match, Mane was just fantastic. And he's been – it's getting redundant now. But he, every time he's been this season, it's just – it's Mane's found 
another level to go to. None of us thought he, that, that, that another level existed. Um, the, the, his effort, pure determination to set up the Jota uh, goal is just, it's almost becoming routine. Um, he's working so hard down that side to either find the goal himself. Um, the, very un, very good goalkeeping to keep uh, the one that bounced off his five head uh, out. Um, luckily, Bobby was there to bounce on it and, and score. But, uh, it, yeah, Sadio Mane still playing next level. Any comments on my man of the match, guys? <laughs> no, you can't, can't really can't really argue with Mane. I I, I kind of wanted to to add into the Salah shout. I I think we're we're just almost being uh, immune to to how good performances he puts <laughs> yeah. in because he was he was immense. He 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 looks he looks sharp. He looks like he's uh, he's getting back to the same type of ruthlessness that we saw from the first season um, to where it, it just looks like he's going to score every time he gets the ball in the, in, in, in the area. And I think he has the confidence uh, that, that he will as well. He's, he was very unlucky not to score. He, you know, he actually did score. He was offside, but we even forget because he creates so many chances for others and for himself. We even forget that there was, uh, he hit the post in like the 80th minute or something like that. Oh, I yeah. I completely forgot about that until I, uh, I rewatched some like super, super extended highlights. Um, you know, they weren't even on the 13 minute long NBC highlights. They wouldn't even show that, but um, it was, I mean, he was, he, he just creates chance after chance for himself, for his teammates. Um, and uh, I'm lucky not to get a goal. Plus, I mean, he's a goal or two behind uh, people that are playing out of their skin right now, scoring goals and, and uh, Son and, and Calvert-Lewin. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's remiss not to, uh, not to really uh, mention how good he was in that match. And then even, even really highlights how good Mane was because I think Mane um, stood out even more. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Hey, Joe, I want I want you to ignore the stats I was giving you earlier because I, I got those some of those wrong. The the uh, shots and the possession. You know, we did outshoot them. We did outpossess them. But that number I gave you that set almost thirty five percent. That's not right. So okay. I, th- I think it, it was, was in like the first. It was like in the first nine minutes, which means that we were dominating them, Brian. Don't you remember that? <laughs> 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 anyway, three points for us, and that's a good thing. <laughs> All right. So um, Liverpool today welcomed the Danish champions, Midtjylland, um, to in the Champions League. Um, I had a busy afternoon at work, so I didn't really get a chance to, to see anything but highlights. Couldn't watch the match. Uh, couldn't really listen either because I had stuff to do. Um, and, yeah, and, and be on the phone and all that crap. So, anyway, you know, my job, what I get paid for. Anyway, so I, um, at one point I took a quick break to open up Twitter. Um, excuse me, let me rephrase that. I did, however, uh, get to see some very interesting things that we will talk about. Um, either through the highlights or through Twitter, like when I took like a two minute break and then opened Twitter to flip through. <clears throat> and I happened to see, you know, I'm looking and I'm just scrolling a little bit and I see, oh yeah, there's new tweets. And I hit the new, the refresh button and 
it takes me all the way to the top end. And you know how like when you haven't refreshed in a while and it goes and goes and goes? Well, I start going through the tweets and uh, wow, it was right then that Fabino pulls up lame and injured. Um, and it's everybody's worst nightmare. I mean, I think John Green's even back on Twitter just to talk about Liverpool. Um, <laughs> and, and he had a comment on it too. Um, friend of the show, John Green. Yes, good friend of the show. Um, every time I see him on, on social media, I think, hey, that's my friend John. Anyway, um, so on comes Reese Williams, who last year was playing in the National League, is now played in two Champions League matches. Um, good for him. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> All right. So we don't have a timetable on when Fabino will be back. Obviously, it just happened. So, um, and I and I can't remember how how long it is until Joel Joel should be back. Um, so, Brian, how are you feeling about the starting pair of Joe Gomez and and Reese Williams? Uh, it'll be great till Gomez gets a knock or um, you know fixture congestion causes uh, I don't know Kate to go back to center back or something. Um, should be no problem, right? We got plenty of guys that could do play back there, don't we? <laughs> I mean, West Ham. Now, Fabinho, it it turned it was a hamstring, if I understand correctly. Yeah. And the Bobak saw more of this match than I did, so maybe we'll let him speak to that. But um, you know, I was uh, facilitating today. You know, I'm at the front of the room, so I can't even you know play the the LFC audio. Well, I guess I could with some type of wireless piece but you know i'm not doing that when i'm at the front of the room uh, for several hours kind of facilitating i can't do that so and then i was going to come home and find some feeds and some and this and that so i was not following along either but um well back you know this is a hamstring right so you know take us back to that moment and and you know how bad is this what have you heard well, I, I mean, to be fair, this this moment is 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 one of the the very few to even really discuss in this match. Uh, it, it wasn't wasn't a very uh, uh, pretty viewing, I would say. Much like much like our our last couple matches, we've 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 pretty much uh, gone with the the mantra of of just trying to get through it. Um, you know, hopefully, potentially without injuries. Is, as well as you know, maybe collecting as many points as we possibly can in those particular matches. Um, it, it it's one of those to where uh, you know he he didn't even look like he was really sprinting that hard when he pulled up. Um, they had him kind of uh, on the ground, uh, you know, bending his bending his knee, and I, I didn't have the sound on, so I was a little afraid at first. I didn't see the incident. And, and the way that they were kind of bending his leg and bending his knee looked very similar to what they were doing with Virgil uh, uh, after the Pickford challenge. So I, I, I was very worried after that, uh, but then saw him get up and 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 kind of walk around. And uh, I, from what I've heard and from what Klopp has said, kind of post match, uh, you know, they don't really know the the severe the severity of it, but um, they should know more after his scan tomorrow. Um, but from what I guess. Fabinho had, Fabinho had actually offered to stay in the game. Uh, he just said, I, 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 I'll, I'll stay in. I just can't sprint, um, which is, which is relatively problematic for a, for a center half. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that would have necessarily gone. Um, you know, with a, with a muscle industry, uh, uh, injury, it could, 
just depending on the severity of it can be months. It's very unlikely in those circumstances. Usually it's something like that is, 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 is a couple weeks, which, uh, you know, not the best when, um, games are coming thick and fast. And that's something that Klopp mentioned as well. And he's like, you know, it could be a week, it could be two weeks, but you know, if it's one week that nowadays that's what five games, 10 days, he's missing (laughs) seven games. And, you know, he, he, it was, it was kind of a dig more at the the fixture congestion than, than anything else in regards to, uh, the length of time he'd, in regards to how I feel about the potential center back uh, pairing of Joe Gomez and Reese Williams, and Nabi Keita Keita (laughs) playing three at the back. I thought, you know, I thought, I thought they looked all right. Uh, You know, I think uh, Williams is, is kind of a a commanding presence in regards to like uh, uh, aerial battles, um, which, we kind of lack a little bit when it's just Fabinho and Gomez in there. Neither of them are very uh, uh, commanding in the air. Um, but, you know, hopefully, and, and, and Klopp had kind of uh, mentioned it as well because he was asked about it. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see Matzit back uh, this Saturday. And I know he's, he's kind of in a, a day-to-day situation in regards to uh, uh, having a couple more training sessions in before he's, before he's able to go. But the thing with him is you want to be very careful because he's, he's very uh, injury prone to begin with. So you don't yeah. want to necessarily rush him back and then have him out for longer. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope to be on, uh, you know, our backup center back in, in the game against Sheffield was Nat Phillips. So, uh, you know, the, <laughs> we don't have a whole lot of options, uh, being presented at this point aside from you know uh someone that we've loaned out 15 times and <laughs> uh two 17 18 year olds yeah um but you know we'll do what we can do manage what we can manage on the bright side it seems like as if uh uh you know what we've what we've come to try and develop is throughout all our our uh, our reserve teams, our age groups and stuff like that is that we all play very similar football. Um, and so it's, it should be easy for, uh, you know, a, a someone that's starting for the under 23s to slip into the, the senior side and, uh, and play the same way. Yeah. I don't know if I start Joel, even if he is fit on Saturday, maybe save him for midweek or the game after that, when he has to play against, when we have to play against Manchester city, uh, that's the big thing. I'm not excited about Joe Gomez and uh, and Reese Williams' partnership against that attacking offense um, in in Manchester City. So, um, or even against Atlanta. Yeah, that's right. Very attacking. Yeah, because that's so. next Champions League match, right? So, yep. uh, away at Atlanta. Yeah, that'll be the toughest game of the group. <laughs> now, I, I did see they drew um, with some IX of the game against we'll Ajax today. Yeah, they. We'll they get there. <laughs> we, we can talk about it brian go ahead sure no no that's fine i actually we, we can talk about it later i wanted to mention that um you know one of the 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 uh, highlight packages that are out there if people want to look it up you know that this whole cbs all access thing we talked about last week or you know plenty of weeks the entire extended highlights package of the liverpool and, and midland match today was seven and a half minutes long, whatever it was, which was 
you know, kind of funny. I mean, that, that that's probably the shortest I've ever seen for what they call extended highlights in, in comparison the uh, the Madrid Munch and Gladback match today was like 13 minutes and the Atalanta IX match was 12 and our match was like seven and a half, you know, of extended highlights. So I guess you can only show you know, long clearances and square balls, you know, so often, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I right. saw that, um, Paul Machen from Redmond, I think mentioned we had two shots from open play and, yeah. you know, we scored a penalty. So, you know, that, that's obviously not a shot from open play, even though it's a goal, but yeah, not exactly a, a rip roaring performance where we just, uh, you know, take it to a team that um, that, that's you know likely to finish on the bottom of this group, and we all thought that from the very beginning. But yeah, I mean, so so from what I saw, it looked like like Mitchelland. You know, they didn't really sit back and defend, but they they had their game set up where where they lost the ball and we were about ready to spring a counterattack, they would foul immediately um, and stop the momentum. So I mean, that could that could sway the fact that we only had two shots on on excuse me two shots. Sure. Uh, throughout the whole match, um, and also, I mean, let's think about it. When they start the f- when the front three is Shaq, Tacky, and and Origi, those guys haven't played together since preseason, um, and so they're coming into a team and they're trying to find their footing again, and and all of that. So you know, I'm not really upset that that we didn't score. We wanted to give the guys some the the others some rest um, because we've got another big three games coming up that we're going to need them in every single one of them. So um, I'm fine with that, you know, in all honesty. Absolutely. Um, well, it, it was, it was very much uh, 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 what you had mentioned there, Joe, at, you know, every, every single time, uh, you know, we were, we were put together, they, they would try and break up the play. So it was very choppy, a lot of fouls, very sloppy. You had a lot of players that don't play together regularly. Um, Shakiri was more, more, more playing a central 10 position. And, and he actually probably, uh, aside from Jota, cause I, I feel like Jota was generally on the end of a lot of them, uh, was, was, was our main threat. The, the, you know, most of the match, uh, he, he provided something that we don't really see a whole lot of, uh, in, and even with our normal, uh, first teamers as, 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 you know, these little creative balls that he, that he slips through, um, whether it be to a lot of times was, was Trent overlapping, um, or, uh, you know, what looks like a, a, a typical shack, uh, shot from, you know, 25, 30 yards out with his left foot, he kind of disguises as this little, uh, slide rule pass. Um, and that's what created, uh, Jota's goal. Uh, was a, a little creative pass like that. He did the same, a similar thing in the first half. Uh, so I, I, I thought there was definitely a few uh, creative bright spots. I thought, I thought to be honest with you, a few things that I caught in regards from the from uh, I'm not even going to try and say their name from the uh, uh, the Midgetlands. Uh, <laughs> they they could have easily easily made this game very difficult for us uh, early on. Uh, Allison had to make a. a tremendous save in like the first or second minute of the game off a uh a long ball that uh was played over the top and and uh should not have made it past our uh central defenders um and they were clear on goal and uh i'm thinking you know if 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 adrian's in goal there that's that's a one nil early in the game and we're scrambling um but he made a tremendous save on a one-on-one breakaway 
uh, to kind of keep it that way. And then there was a, a, a chance right before our second goal, uh, our penalty, uh, to where they, they, they really should have scored another one-on-one uh, with Allison. And, and the, it was the same guy, actually, from the, um, uh, the first, first attempt, uh, chipped Allison, but uh, was just on the, the wrong side of the post. Um, in regards to to where it ended up, so um, you know they they they're yeah, that's certainly what, that's not. That's when he made Gomez look like a statue when he yeah, went absolutely. right around him on that yeah, one. He, now he, he he dribbled quite a few people. I I, I yeah, he's a good player. To, uh, I, I know I know you guys didn't really have a chance to to watch the game, but uh, you know there were a, 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 it wasn't a very well played game, but I did think there were a few players that that uh, stood out. I thought Trent was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he, he essentially, uh, created the, the second goal, which was a, uh, a through ball that he played through to, to Mo on a breakaway and Mo was, was, uh, taken out at, you know, the very top of the box and given a penalty. So he essentially assisted, you know, the first goal to Jota and, and to the penalty, um, as well as was getting in some really, uh, really dangerous attacking positions. Yeah. So the ones uh, that we don't typically see him when he's, when he's playing with Mo right in front of him, I, that's something I noticed too, just from the highlights. I mean, you don't see him make that give and go when Mo's cause Mo's probably already got the ball that, that give and go that he had with Shaq um, to, to set up the Jota. No, Mo, see, cause Mo's usually, Mo's yeah. usually the one that's making that run in that, in that exactly. particular circumstance and, in, in, in that, in that position. Now, uh, he he was getting in very like very well advanced positions in the first half as well. There was a situation to where he got the ball, and uh, I don't know if you saw. Uh, there was a little training highlight when he was with England, where he about uh, dribbled through the entire English defense when they were on the yes. seven on seven, and <laughs> and then uh, dinked dink. That might have been Pickford or Pope. I can't remember who was in goal. Uh, dinked to score. He did uh, essentially the exact same thing <laughs> in the first half, uh, uh, and almost got through to the keeper. Uh, ended up laying it off to what would have been to to Jota for a tap in, but uh, the defender got a a lucky lug out there right in time. But yeah, he kind of dribbled through mazily about five or six people. So it shows that in those uh, circumstances where maybe he doesn't have Mo in front of him, he, he kind of takes it upon himself to, to be the one to get in those deep, deep positions in the box from that right side. Yeah. I'm loving it. I, I, he, I actually had him from based off the highlights. He was my man of the match, Trent. But Allison, Allison was also very good. I thought, uh, uh, in just the, the couple, uh, situations to where he was put to the test. Uh, Trent was good. Shakiri was good. Um, Origi and Taki really, really disappointing. To be honest, uh, didn't really take their chance, and they're not getting a whole lot more of these opportunities when, you know, our forty-one million pound man's coming through just about every single time he's presented with the opportunity. Yeah, um, they're kind of falling further and further down the pecking order. So that's kind of kind of disappointing, you know, on personal level for those guys. All right, so let's look forward to West Ham. So currently sitting twelfth in. In the table, but uh, two rather impressive draws uh, the last two times out. Spurs away and then City at home. David Moyes seems to have him focused on being the best mid-table side, um, as Moyes tends to do. And uh, this game this weekend is at Anfield. Um, Probably no Fabino, maybe maybe, uh, Joel Matip. 
Uh, maybe we're going to be starting with Reese Williams in the in the back line. Um, Brian, how are you feeling about this match? Um, going to need to have a few beers to get through this one. I'm I'm thinking. Um, I would. I, I personally wouldn't play. Joel Matip and you know Fabinho's possibly out anyway. Um, with Atalanta looming and then Man City right after that. So I think we're going to see Gomez and, and Williams and maybe deeper lying Henderson and, and Wijnaldum to help protect them, maybe back to the four two three one, and try to, you know, throw a 4-2 win on them or something like that just by overpowering them and knowing, you know, a clean sheet's going to be really, really, really tough. So, um, you know what, West Ham, Moyes is... I don't know. I, don't, I can't stand the guy personally, but you know, West Ham is one of those teams that will just, you know, be plucky and scrappy and get something off a set piece and, you know, a couple of dangerous moments here and there. You know, we, we have to be careful. Um, just like I always say, we score first. I think we're going to win the game. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who plays with two really tough games right after that. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Gomez and Williams. So that, that's my thoughts. What do you guys think? Go back. I, I mean, I think we'll. I, I think a lot of how we'll set up uh, is going to be based off of who's available to play in the midfield. Um, I think a lot of uh, the reason for our, our, our relatively stale performances have, have been trying to get used to this four-two-three-one, uh, which I think he's he's kind of put in place to. Um, to to add a little bit more protection in front of the uh, center backs by having two uh, two people hold kind of centrally. Normally, when we play that four three three, the the three midfielders are almost like three across the field. Um, when we play that, it, it allows them to to cover sufficiently the space that uh, uh, that the fullbacks leave behind them. So it gives you know Trent and, and Robertson a little bit more. Uh, attacking freedom, believe it or not, it's uh, it's 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 very odd. You you would think lining up with four, essentially forwards, um, in a uh, in a formation would would lead you to be more attacking. But it almost kind of uh, the way that we play, it almost kind of makes us a little bit uh, a little bit more defensive um, because the uh, fullbacks don't really have as much of a license to go forward because they're leaving so much space in behind them they don't have uh for instance they don't have henderson uh covering that right side or or genie covering that left side they're staying more in a central location to try and help cover the 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 center backs so um that may be more along the lines of the reason we've been a little bit sloppier based off of who we have available um i think you know it Potentially, if, if, say, for instance, the two that are in front of uh, uh, the center backs are Henderson and Tiago or, or, or Tiago and Keita or, or, or uh, Tiago and Juan Aldum, then, then maybe they, they're able to cover a little bit more ground um, and give the fullbacks a little bit more freedom. So uh, I, I agree with Brian in regards to I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rush Matip back. However, I would say it, it probably make more sense to to start him in this match if he's able to go start him in this match against West Ham and rest him against Atalanta. I know it's a it's a it's a big game, but I think with the way that we've started the group so far, 
uh, getting two wins from two and, and, uh, and essentially this being a, almost a, you know, a, a giveaway game to, to an extent, you know, we can still very much, uh, qualify comfortably if we, even if we lose this game at Atalanta, I think it's more important, uh, to win the, the premier league game. And then, um, essentially give Matip uh, a week's rest for, uh, for city. Um, I think that that might be more of a, more of a, a strategy because Atalanta is going to, they're going to score a, a bunch of goals. That's what they do, but they're also going to give up a lot of goals. So we could easily have a, a, you know, a five, four or something like that. Try and win some mad game here where we have throw in, you know, a, a youth center back and, and and hope for hope for our forwards to outscore theirs, kind of a la 2017-18, and just kind of go for it. Yeah. Um, versus versus that doesn't necessarily always work out in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of on the let's let's give Joel. I don't know. I kind of see what you're saying about you know have um, have Joel play the weekend. Um, and and I'm okay with that, but I I think I'll be fine with whatever he does on Wednesday. But I think that you really want to have um, you really want to have him focus on being back for uh, the Manchester Manchester City match. I think if Tiago's fit, he's in doing light training right now. Um, I think if he's fit, I, I say you rest him on the weekend, and then maybe that's your your cover. If you have if you have Joel playing um, on at West Ham, and Tiago starts in the midfield. Um, he he can unlock so much more, and he might be a big benefit to have in front of a Reese Williams um, at the Atlanta match. Um, and, and you know, the other thing that we're looking at is you know if Joel stays healthy and Tiago's back and Fabino's back, we can be back at that that amazing midfield we saw um, it, 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 that, that we were so extremely happy to see in the Everton match um, before before we had to move Fabino to the back. So I mean, it's it could turn around and and we could really be in for a surprise. Well, I guess we're just gonna have to think about that, um, see where people are um, after the Atlanta match. So, um, I, I which great takes me to that match. So next Wednesday, uh, resume trip to Northern Italy. Um, recent Atlanta stats uh, drew with IX today. Um, they are sixth in Sierra A with three wins of five out of five, tied with points on Juve, um, but they lost on the weekend uh, last weekend and this weekend they play the twentieth place team um, and then enter uh, the weekend after us. I, I think we kind of know where Bobak's at on this one. He's not as concerned about the performance on this one. Um, Brian, where what are you thinking about with this match for the Atlanta? Well, Bobak brings up a good point. I mean, we've won our first two matches, and Atalanta's draw today um, makes it so that Klopp probably would be absolutely thrilled with a draw in Italy, and I, I would be as well. So, and that you know, it may end up being a four-four thriller or something crazy, like Bobak said. I don't, I don't want to go in, a, go in and try to bunker down and you know, squeeze out a nil-nil or something like that. That's just not really how we play, but I, I think we'll def- try to defend and counter. I have a couple guys sitting deep centrally to help the back four, as we talked about. So um, I, I'm, I'm seeing his point for sure that uh, 
you know, not a absolutely critical win, but boy, I'd love love to somehow squeeze out a draw. Four four or something crazy like that would be fun, or even the five four, um, you know, that he was talking about. That certainly would sell some CBS subscriptions, I'd imagine. Plus, Brian um, would be able to sing his song. We're gonna win five four. We're gonna that's right. win five four. <laughs> Let's start singing it. So yeah, I, I'll take a draw. I'd be thrilled with a draw. So. <laughs> I think I'm on the same boat. All right, let's move on to the new segment. Hashtag dumb take. All right, so we we all, when we're sitting at the pub, we run across at least one person who does says something that's completely stupid. Um, you know, they might be our good friend. I know I say some stupid shit from time to time. Um, but So send send uh, any dumb takes that you hear in, and then we'll we'll bring them out on our on the next episode so uh the, this week the submission is from union jack pub and beautiful broad ripple and uh someone suggested <laughs> having former players run var so brian what's one reason that this was a dumb idea well I, I, we should probably preface this that you know there have been some questionable var decisions and in the heat of the moment like I said, we've all said some things, myself included, that are, you know, perhaps a bit odd or, or in in hindsight, not good. But to answer your question, having uh, former players making VDR, VR decisions, there are many, many reasons on, on why this would be good. Um, and I'll just pick, a, you know, several obvious ones. I'll just pick one of them. Players don't know the rules as well as referees do. And, and they never ever will they, they've been trying to influence referees and circumvent the rules their entire careers and i want our players trying to do that and that's just how they are players don't know the rules as well as referees do so Bo that's Mac. one reason pullback what about you what's another reason for you i'm right th- i'm right there with brian that that and you also everyone's everyone's heard the you know the former players giving their takes after uh, each match as the regards to, um, oh, I think Liverpool should sign this guy to replace this guy because he's better than Firmino. Or uh, we saw a lot of uh, former players, now pundits, suggesting that uh, uh, Luca Dean's uh, Achilles surf this weekend uh, should have should have been a yellow card instead of a red card because he didn't mean it. Uh, you know, it, it, there, there are so many, so many opinions of a player that they get emotionally invested into how they feel on the field or, uh, they say, oh, well that shouldn't be the case because you see before that this doesn't happen also when, when a referee in, in their occupation is to literally interpret the letter of the law there's no emotion that's taken into account or should be taken into account um when it comes to um making a decision between a yellow card and a red card uh, well oh he didn't actually mean to break the guy's leg with a tackle that was above <laughs> his knee uh so it should just be a yellow card because i feel bad for him um you know it's it's that's that's where you where you get the the I would say the gray area from the from the player perspective and it's the whole idea is so idiotic and uh, I'm glad said uh, giver of the take is not making decisions for the future of our game 
Yeah, uh, my my reason why this is a dumb take is that former players are still super biased and hate teams. Um, let's just use, as an example, would you want Wayne, Wayne Rooney or Gary Neville as a VAR official in the Liverpool match? No, no, you wouldn't. All right, guys, let's start wrapping it up with plugs, non-plugs. I always like starting with Bobak first. Bobak, head it up, man. Yeah, so uh, generally when um, I have a chance to, to, to really watch a, a Liverpool match, I enjoy watching it at Ian Jack Pub and Broad Ripple, so I would like to plug them. Um, I'd also uh, kind of wanted to uh, to – throw a few out there just like like last week that don't really have a whole lot to do with footy don't really have a whole lot to do with uh uh just uh you know i would say the podcast in general um i we're in a very 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 toxic uh political landscape right now and it's nice to to kind of get uh, a little bit of a uh, a reprieve from that and um, you know, this past weekend, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen released his uh, his second masterpiece of uh, Borat's uh, subsequent movie film um, and his uh, longtime uh, portrayal of the Kazakh reporter. And <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed it this weekend um, when I when I fired it up. And I think that's something that would give a lot of people some joy. It is. It got some some nastiness in the humor, as you would expect from them. Um, so I'm going to plug. Uh, plug that particular uh film which i thought was 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 very 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 humorous um my non-plug this week is uh for long ass voting lines oh. um so my plan this past weekend was to uh to go to one of the the new early voting satellite locations uh you know up until this past weekend in marion county indianapolis here, there's only uh, one early voting center. You know that makes a whole lot of sense for 700,000 people. But uh, they did open up uh, a few additional early voting sites. Uh, one of them being literally pretty much my brother's backyard. Um, so the plan was to kind of head out there Sunday morning. Um, you know, right around the time, or maybe a little bit before the polls open, and uh, and get a good uh, vote in. Um, but, uh, much to my chagrin, I had gotten an update from the previous day that lines for that particular site in general, uh, were averaging eight hours long. St. Luke's? Um, St. Luke's. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, there was, there was plenty of, uh, plenty of, uh, firsthand, uh, firsthand accounts of people that said they got in line at say nine 30 in the morning and didn't vote until four 30. So my uh, plan to vote early is is getting a bit scuppered, and it looks like it may have to actually be election day um, for this guy right here. Um, yeah, Bobek, I I drove past Saturday morning, and uh, they were backed up onto Meridian Street. <laughs> the cars were to get in yeah. the parking lot. Yeah, it was it was wild. All right, Brian, uh, plugs non plugs, bud. Well, plugs non plugs. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to save. Um plug for Mr. Michael Need until I actually get the beverage that I'm going to get from him, so we'll save that one. But I'm, I, w- I want to plug um, actually another I don't want to, I guess it's almost another show, Joe. Sorry to do that. But, no, that's uh, fine. A gentleman by the name of Daryl Grove who is a, a Wolverhampton Wanderers fan 
and lived in Richmond, Virginia. I uh, started a, a, a show called the Total Soccer Show in 2009 on a local radio station. Soccer maniac, you know, Englishman, just typical, um, you know, Englishman in, in every way. Just loved the game. Was in America. You know, grew up near or didn't grow up. It was living near the Richmond Kickers and just absorbed that team and soccer in that town. Started a show and it turned in one of the biggest podcasts about soccer in the United States. Um, man named Daryl Grove and, and I've listened to his show many, many, many times. Didn't listen a lot lately um, for you know various reasons and work and other things going on in kids and life, etc. Um, so just um, thinking about him and his family. Daryl Grove passed away last week. Um, so my non-plug is cancer, um, but my plug is absolutely for him and the Total Soccer Show. Um, they did some amazing, amazing episodes. And, you know, if you've never heard of them before, you can go back and, and you know, there's some great episodes where they make, um, you know, starting 11 out of Star Wars characters and they try to justify, <laughs> you know, why Yoda would be a good goalkeeper, or why he wouldn't be and, <laughs> bringing balance to the force on the left and the right side and all kinds of great stuff. They did a parks and rec starting 11. I mean, just not just regular soccer reporting a world cup and, you know, they're just, just a great show all the way around total soccer show. Dale Grove was an amazing individual. And if you don't know him and, and everything that they did and, and how established he was in the U S soccer community, um, when he passed away, the U S soccer Twitter account tweeted at him. Wolverhampton Wanderers did as well. Oh, wow. Stuart Holden. I mean, so many former players, coaches. I mean, th th this guy was a giant in American soccer uh, media over the last decade or so. So massive plug to Mr. Daryl Grove and, um, and his, his family and friends. Did he really want – are you for Yoda and goal? You're going to have to listen to the episode. So they, because, they have, because my argument, I'm serious, Brian, you should listen to the episode. It's absolutely hilarious. Because my argument would be you'd want Chewbacca in goal because he's massive. Um, he'd come for every ball that came across and he'd win because he's massive. And <laughs> and nobody would mess well, with him. Either that or center back. I, I probably I'll go say, with, I think I'll say neither him nor his co-host had Chewbacca in goal. I, I went and listened to the episode the other night. That, that's such a disappointment. Um, I, <laughs> Sorry, Joe. It's such an old episode that and, you know they they the Total Soccer Show has more than four hundred episodes. Okay, the the podcast I'm not, has I'm more not than four hundred episodes. So all, to find this, fun. you need to go to SoundCloud because if you go, now if you're like downloading stuff from iTunes, you know you can only go back so far. Yeah. Um, but mm -hmm. if you just kind of Google Total Soccer Show and Star Wars, you'll find it. I listened to it on SoundCloud the other day when I found out he passed away. It's absolutely hilarious. If you're a soccer fan and a Star Wars fan, it, it, it is a must listen. Oh, sound clown. Okay. Um, so December 2015. And I'm almost positive that's when the episode was from. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, my, my plug is going to be um, two weeks at Union Jack Pub in a row. I'm kind of kind of happy with that. It was good to see everybody probably going to be on a hiatus for a little bit again. So, um, so it was good to see you guys for a few the past few weeks. Um, if you're listening, uh, miss you all, and um, I hope I'll be able to find some time to be back soon. Uh, my non plug is kind of Union Jacks. So, non plug is for when you you know that everybody in 
in is going to sit in this area is going to be a Liverpool fan. Um, but you have been there before um, their match starts, and you hold a table, and you don't pay attention to the match, and you yell talk the whole match about things that aren't related to the game or just do stuff just to annoy everybody else. That's kind of disrespectful, in my opinion, and I'm kind of pissed about it because I got stuck uh, sitting next to that table and uh, missed out on some very good conversation amongst my friends. Um, so, yeah, that kind of was a kind of was a pretty downer for me. But it is what it is. All right, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, please tell your friends if you like what we do. Um, don't tell them if you hate us. Um, I don't know why you'd be listening this late in the show anyways. All right, so if you want to get a hold of us, contact information is in the pod notes. Make sure you let us know some dumb takes that you hear um, so we can keep that segment going. I kind of like that a lot. All right, I'm Joe Dilling signing off for yet another episode of the Indie Reds podcast. You'll never walk alone.